Can we have silence, please? I'm really hot. I turned the fan off and closed the windows, and it's already Good. boiling. Let's get, let's get moving, then. Are you, are you sweating? I'm sweating. <laughs> Another thing it's I don't want to hear about. <laughs> so many things I do not want to hear about you talking about. <laughs> right, okay. Shut up, you two. Hi, hello listeners and welcome to episode 32 of the Picky Bastards podcast, the miserable music podcast in which we find new and pettier ways of disagreeing with each other every month, while also listening to some music that we talk about a little bit. So I'm Fran, I'm here with Matt. Hi Matt, how are you doing? Hello. How's it going? What was that voice? <laughs> that was my old lady voice. Okay, I liked it. Okay. And I'm also here with Nick, who is very, very hungover today. So, hi, Nick. I am just dying here. This is going to be agony. I just want to point out. So, thanks it's to our listeners for putting themselves through it. We're recording this on the 5th of July in the pubs. And the pubs opened last night and Nick was the first person in the queue. I, think I that's was what happened. Yeah. I was drinking at Going home. Crazy. Thank you very much. I was re- respecting social distancing properly. So, you weren't, you weren't standing next to Nigel Farage in the queue? I wasn't, actually, no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't think it's going to turn my stomach talking about Nigel Farage. Yeah, that's uh, the only time he will ever be mentioned on this podcast, hopefully. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so, standard procedure, everybody. We've got four recent releases, one classic album, and uh, I'm going to talk about an artist I love. So, the recently released albums are Run the Jewels with RTJ4, L.A. Priest with Gene, Medhane with Cold Water... Eve Tumor with Heaven to a Tortured Mind, and the classic is Jill Scott with Who is Jill Scott. And then I'm going to tell you all why I love Tracy Chapman, and I just used her self-titled debut album for that. Uh, so I'm going to start with Nick today, and I'm going to ask Nick, which of these albums did you find the most accessible, and was that a good thing? Okay, um, I'm going to go with most accessible is Run the Jewels, Run the Jewels 4, um, and definitely it was a good thing, actually. Um this album, uh, I really warmed to it straight away, and I found it extremely. Um, God, I'm not going to find words today, am I? I found it extremely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found it extremely um, kind of catchy and sort of enjoyable straight away, like fun straight away. And yet, as I got further through it, I found it also really backed that up with some incredible complexity musically and lyrically, which I, I absolutely loved. So. I really can't say enough good things about it, honestly. I thought it was absolutely banger after banger. It's so clever politically. It's musically really lush. Um, it's really witty as well, lyrically, as well as being political. Um, it has... Uh, so, I mean, the whole album is very, very consistent standard. I mean, it's it's really fabulous. Um, and I did we did do the third one, didn't we? Did we do the third one? some time ago yeah well, I'm wondering if thinking back that was when me you and Nermal before we were actually oh, recording okay. the podcast when we used to just get together to chat about them because I remember doing it but I don't think we recorded an episode and I, I remember at that time thinking oh this is this is solid this is good stuff you know I was kind of into it but it wasn't a massive deal but this is a huge step up I think um, I thought the best track on it was Walking in the Snow um, that was the most sort of powerful. It had this kind of vicious guitar opening, which I thought was really nice and sort of punky. Um, it has these crazy pitch bend samples. Um, the flow is so tight. Um, and as I say, the lyrical witticism and cleverness is all the way through, including ending up with this, this part at the end of one of the verses about how Jesus was killed by the state, um, which I thought was just such an interesting way of spinning that, you know, and a, you know, such a profound statement in some ways. Um, I also loved a few words for the firing squad, which is the last track on it. 
And I suppose this is all a preamble to say this is the best hip-hop album I've heard in a long, long time. And yes, I prefer it to Grey Area by Lil Sims. What? <laughs> what? You're not allowed to prefer anything to Grey Area by Lil Sims. Sorry, this is... Yeah, that, that is does, in the shadow of this now. So there you go. Does that mean we've now around. got a year of you saying this is in the shadow of Run the Jewels every yeah, time we listen to a hip-hop exactly. album? Yeah. This <laughs> is what an album. What an album this is. It's fantastic. Oh. It was also first thing on the playlist which was fantastic to sort of have that drop mm. right in when you started playing it. It was, oh, I can't say enough good things about it. Fantastic. There you go. That's a pretty positive start. How about you, Matt? Um, yeah, I also, I, I love this album. Um, I think it's uh, it's a great album. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing about it is obviously the timing. What it talks about is uh, really ridiculously relevant. Um um and so it the the content killer mike's always been fantastic at talking and um expressing uh concerns and um about what's going on in the world uh, specifically for black people and black culture um but in this the they take on a, a like similar topics to what they've talked about before but because of the uh, like the murder of George Floyd and the resulting um, protests, um, it's just it like crystallised everything because that happened just one week before the the release of this album. Yeah, it's amisingly top. Um, I think I, I totally agree with you. I, I yeah. can't believe he. It just feels like they recorded it that week, <laughs> which is obviously yeah, not true. Yeah, but yeah. Wow. And um, but it, I I guess that just um, and I think we would. It's like highlighted in some of the other albums as well. It's just one of those things. It keeps happening um, yeah. and there's violence and so it can be topical because of the violence um, always being that the police violence but I think I guess the one thing about the um, this is that he, like in uh, Walking in the Snow um, like he talks about the inaction and how the insensitivity of uh, people because they see all this uh, violence on our screens but um, that I guess didn't happen this time and people are yeah. out there protesting which but then is, I suppose there's like, still that there's fantastic. still that huge amount of people who are just doing that I suppose still aren't there so I suppose that's still yeah, but yeah, I, yeah obviously nice, this, yeah. this, this yeah. time we've seen some difference but I think even but what I'm worried about now is a few weeks on we are seeing it quietened down aren't we so it's yes. um, it's yeah. about yeah that's why these albums are so important I suppose to keep that going yeah Mm. Yeah, to keep the fire burning, because yeah. uh, like yeah, and then you, uh, I don't think you talked about the um, the song with Zach Delaroca and Pharrell, mm. like the the line of like look at all the slave masters posing on your dollar yeah. is like absolutely incendiary. Yes. Uh, it's just uh, such a poignant and quick snap remark, and it's like wrapped up in this just absolutely like. Like you, like you say, I know we always talk about catchy in like a negative sense, and it's the word you used earlier. Mm. But it is just this like really like absolutely bomb track, and it it has that as the uh, center center point to it. Yeah. Um, How many albums can be that profound and also that much fun? Really. Yeah. 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 So but often, that's I think I think all of their albums have aimed for this. Um, and I'm not even sure if this is the best of their uh, albums. I, I would generally put RTJ2 higher than this. Um, but it, this album does aim for, a, well, I guess, a more expansive sound. Um, 
but like yeah ev- pretty much every single video that you see them produce and every single song that gets released as a single has um either uh, um, commentary on like the prison complex or uh, police violence um w- uh, like embedded in it so it's it's something that's integral to who they are um but yeah for me like going from rtj3 to rtj4 this is like really i think uh, a step up um and better more similar to rtj2 it's more like the kind of the production style is more rough and ready and a bit more like it just felt overblown but like in a good way um so i yeah i loved it and then yeah the second track the sample on ooh la la is just fantastic i just love it so much yeah well so brilliant it's, it's great okay. so good well, it's a kind of now yeah, I, I hated it. I hated it. No, I didn't. Um, no, I kind of wondered whoever got to go talk about this album third, I thought was probably going to have had all their points made already, which kind of have. Yeah. But um, I suppose I'll start by saying I'd never really been massively into Run The Jewels before. I've listened to all of the albums um, previously and never really fully felt the draw of them. You know, I never totally fell in love, even though I recognised the talent and, and admired what they were doing. But um, And yeah, I... I'm not sure what to- what happened this time, but this album totally did it for me. I think partly it is what we're just talking about, about when it's landed, you know, being in lockdown and, and w- watching everything that's been happening and then this album coming along. But I also think it's a perfect album for someone like me who's into some quite old school hip hop as well. I think there's some amazing mm-hmm. samples, the scratching. It's almost like a homage at times to older hip hop. But as much as it sounds like an old school album, it is also the ideal album for the times we're living through. I think it feels so energetic all the way through, so empowering, so perfect for the current situation. Um, But I'm going to go back to what Matt was talking about, the Pharrell track, the look at all these slave masters posing on our dollars. It just hits me every time he says that. And I read read an interview with uh, Killer Mike saying that, you know, they'd been to Pharrell for a chorus expecting a kind of the pop hit from the album and something that mm. would be sort of, you know, the guy, the guy who wrote happy and get lucky to write them something that would be, you know, a pop poppy hit, but you know, even Pharrell in this instance is writing hooks like that, which is, it says a lot, I think about the current time. Mm. Um, and I'll go back to what you were saying about walking in the snow as well, Nick, because I think amazing song, um, it's so crucial and powerful right now, but I think it's a lot has been highlighted about, you know, it's saying it features the line, I can't breathe, which is obviously what protest has been chanting after George Floyd. Yeah. But this song was actually written about Eric Garner, um, yeah. which was what, three years ago, two years ago now. So, you know, while a lot of people are talking about this album being prescient, that isn't actually true. It's not it's prescient. It's a vocab award there for prescient. Well done. Well, yeah, it's, it's not predicting star. anything, is it? It's just documenting an ongoing situation that's getting more media right now. So I think that's really a good thing. And I think the current attention Black Lives Matter and Priest Fatality is receiving needs to be ongoing. So like I was saying before, I think an album like this plays a huge part in that. So I think, yeah, it's it's massively taken them up in my estimation. And um, it, yeah, it's a fantastic album, as we've all said, really. Mm. And that's me, I think. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go to Matt now. So which album did yeah. you find least accessible, and was that a bad thing? I'm going to go with Medhane, okay. um, with Cold Water. Um, and I found, so I found this question quite 
hard to answer and I'm going with Medhane more less as a response to this album but more as a response to the other albums um, which I guess we'll get into but I just found generally this everything to be pretty accessible <laughs> um, and so in comparatively with Medhane um, I found it very it, it so start off I actually really like this album um, but I just uh, getting into it initially um, it, it's quite dry and you compare it to some of the other stuff um, specifically like um, uh, compared to like Run the Jewels often they'd just be given the same category of hip hop and they couldn't really be more different really um, the the production in like RTJ uh, 4 is um, like, like I said it was really kind of overblown and it just felt like really in your face well, this was just so minimal and so kind of dry um, that after coming th from the previous albums, it just felt um, like so different. It was it was hard to adjust to. Um, that said, I actually I, I really liked um, the way like his voice and his style. It felt uh, like uh, he had this very kind of effort effortless. Effortless. Effortless, like, uh, and dreamy kind of flow. Um, and sometimes he kind of swayed into more like the mum the mumbly side of things, which also made it less accessible because um, you just, it's harder to hear or just a very purely practical sense. <laughs> but it always felt very, even though it was slow, it, it felt very deliberate and purposeful. Um, and I would compare this maybe more to uh, someone like uh, I think when we talked about uh, last time with Jay-Z you compare like Killer Mike to Jay-Z and uh, Killer Mike is very like uh, trying to get as many words in and this very intricate play while Jay-Z steps it back and is very much um, uh, taking his time to go over the flow in a very uh, slow but methodical way and so this felt more akin to that and uh, that said, the the style was wholly different, um, and it just felt very yeah methodical and restrained, um, and so I I yeah I generally uh, re really en enjoyed this album. Um, I also really enjoyed the beats, like it's kind of chill and jazzy at at times, and um, and I, I, I think I really like the song. Uh, well, I think I did really like the song uh, "Live" because it had this, uh, it had this really great meandering bass that was Which just song all over the place. Sorry, I missed you. Missed what song? You "Live." Point? Yeah. Okay. Um. So the, yeah, that was really great. I guess the, the only drawbacks I really had of this is just because of his style. It just doesn't. He doesn't. Although he's very purposeful um, and methodical, it it doesn't necessarily come across as like like passionate mm. because of that delivery style um so it's it is that thing of like it doesn't draw you in and make you listen but um when you like sit with it um i think it's um I th it, you get this kind of more heady and introspective vibe from it yeah. which i enjoyed okay cool i'm gonna jump in because some of what you're saying ties yeah, into what yeah. What I've said so yeah I'll start by saying I think this this album kind of fits into a subsection of hip-hop that I haven't haven't always been really complimentary about on this podcast I, I think it has quite a bit in common with the Ill Sweatshirt and the JPEG yeah. Mafia albums that we've covered pre previously yes. um, 
So what I mean by that is the slower flow, flow that you were just talking about, Matt, and the intentionally sort of dense beats and an almost trippy vibe at times. Um, so at first, and I think, again, what Matt said about this relates to the other albums on the playlist, really. For me, at first, it was eight, it was quite easy for me to lump this album with those other albums and albums that I didn't love and kind of, you know, ignore it a little bit. But the more I listened to it, it ended up testing my preconceptions about that type of rap music, really. I got more and more into this album with every listen, and I think it's still growing on me, really. Um, it took me a while to think about why that was, but the longer I spent with the album, the more I realised how much care is put into every element. So if we talk about the production, I think with the JPEG Mafia and the Ill Sweatshirt, I found them just quite muddy and quite um, sloppy in some respects, whereas this feels so precise. It feels like there's a... There's, everything's on purpose and there's a lot of detail in it um i think the standout tracks for me were all facts new drip and i don't know how to say this one but nah for yeah n-a-f-r i don't know what it says yeah but piano one yeah i thought that was fantastic um but then weirdly because i've just really praised this album but because of the rest of the playlist playlist it did still fade a little bit into the background for me i think if it had been on last month's playlist only fiona apple would have been better um for me personally but it, it did have a very strong playlist to be up against i think so so yeah what about you nick uh yeah so in a way um i, I certainly take matt's point that it shows the breadth of hip-hop as a genre that you can have mm. uh, as, as many genres that you can have something so just distinct from around the jewels and have this as well in existence you know and i think a lot of the things you said um i see and i sort of also agree with but i think i drew a different conclusion honestly at the end of that which is you talk about like it being almost mumble sort of um a lot more smooth a lot more laid back and all these kind of terms i found it really quite flat um and i and i don't really mean that in a complimentary way i found it hard to get past how low-key it was um and I, I couldn't really get into the sort of vibe of that um and i found his flow to match quite well, uh, I suppose this is a compliment in a, of sorts, with the musical background backdrop because both mm. of them were very monotone. Um, and I found that really hard to get <laughs> into. Um, in fact, at, at certain points, I, I would go so far as to say the album was soporific at certain points, I found. It, it, was, um, it was just uh, one sort of quite long, uh, even, sort of flat playing field, which I, I again... For me, it was really tough to to get behind. So I I, I didn't hate it. Uh, I don't really feel there were any particular standout tracks to me um, because I felt again like it was very consistently as it as it was. And to the extent that I think there was intent there, um, and I, you know I think I think he does he did want to make this kind of album as far as I can tell. It seems like it wasn't like accidental. Um, then I suppose you got to give it to him for that that he, he's done. You know, it, it sort of he's created something that's, that matches with with a certain style, you know. It's just not a style I yeah. can get behind, and um, yeah, so I, I won't be going back to it. I'll put it that way. So yeah, that's that's me on that one. You have liked other albums of this this sort of era, this part of hip hop, though, haven't you? I suppose this kind I of. I think it was one thing was musically speaking, it was very. I mean, uh, there was no real development in a lot of the beats. Like I felt like it would it was start with a sample of a loop. And then it would just run for the entire track in, in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases. Uh, and I just felt like I wanted some growth and some 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 arc, you know, um, which I didn't really get out of this. So, yeah, so no, not not really one for me that I was, I was that keen on. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. 
So were both of your favourites Run the Jewels from the playlist? Um, of the whole playlist? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt? Maybe. Okay, Matt, what else is in? Go, go to whatever one, whatever else is in contention for your favourite, then let's talk about that. Um, Eve's Tumour. Okay. Um, I really like this album, obviously. Um, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think, I, I guess... Um, what I, I found about this one, it was kind of like dreamy. I, I'm, I'm going to use the word dreamy quite a lot for some of these albums. Um, <laughs> and it kind of drifted all over, but it was, uh, um, I think, I guess, compared to an album we haven't yet talked about, it, it felt a dreamy in a very different way. It was very visceral. Um, and so uh, uh, I found that to be uh, really, really interesting um, and like very kind of almost soothing, like, I, I guess, um, with everything that's going on at the moment, it just felt like um, that kind of aesthetic um, was just really like calming to me. Um, and I, I guess uh, going like through the album, the like uh, my favorite track really was the, really the um, the opener, uh, "Gospel for a New Century." I just really it's so big, bold, and, and like kind of brassy um it builds in a really interesting way to the to the chorus and um, it's kind of slow and again i i think there was some really really cool um uh just j- bass lines in this in this uh, mm. playlist for some reason i got really focused <laughs> on the bass lines and again this was had this really like uh, meandering jazzy bass line that was super super cool and it just that really like it became an earworm for this month for me. I I'd always be um, have that in my head, um, despite the fact that like RTJ Four has all these like absolutely like uh, like poppy hip hop uh, uh, like chart char- chartable uh, songs, I guess. Um, and the, this that, this was the one that actually uh, stuck with me, um, and I. Just generally throughout the album, again the bass lines were really. I thought they were quite prominent in the songs. Um, they were like very much holding, as as they always do. They were very much holding the song together, but they were doing a lot of interesting things at the same time. Um, and it, it was kind of quirky, and so that it, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then um, I hadn't really listened to Eve's Tumor before, no, um, but I actually. I really liked his vocals. It reminded me of um, the kind of coarseness of it and reminded me of um, Death Hines a little bit and Blood Orange and just the whole like experimental vibe um, and this kind of uh, the, of the whole album reminded me of, of maybe Blood Orange but mm, done better. I thought about Blood Orange while listening to it but well, I'll come to, yeah. come to that in a bit. But Is that you, Matt? Felt- I'm sorry, a lot Cameron. more, yeah. It just felt like a lot more was going on with it, um, yeah. and yeah, I I was I guess intimidated by like I had a preconception of what Eve's tumor would be like. I'd heard that he's really into throbbing bristle, and I thought I think I'd listened to him previously and been like, this is pretty intense and weird. Yeah, from what um, I've read, I don't think you can. You, I don't think he's one of those artists that you can really predict with what because each album's quite changeable. I think. 
if you look on, I was looking on his Wikipedia earlier and it has him down as an electronic ambient artist. So I think you just see okay. see someone who's changed a lot throughout their career, really. So Yeah. 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 So th- this was, I guess, a surprise because I was like, well, this is actually pretty easy for me to tune into and um, and enjoy. Cool. Nick? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll jump on a couple of those things um, that you said there, Mashi. First of all, in terms of the bass parts... I actually also wrote down, I thought that was one of the strongest elements of the album was, was the bass piece kind of, of, of element and how they had um, moved through tracks and sort of developed things yeah. out of them and danced around melodic structures, you know. So I thought the bass parts were really good. Um, I'll back up, though, and say um, on the other side, I suppose, I, I really don't agree about the vocals. Um, I found the vocals quite difficult to get on board with, really. Uh, there were times when it sounded quite grating um in fact there were even parts where um harmonies i I think didn't really work too well uh, and sounded kind of off somehow out out of place or off kilter in some way in a way that wasn't really pleasing to the ear you know uh so for example kerosene um even the vocal feature on kerosene actually not just not just uh eve tumor's voice himself um was also seemed a bit sort of slightly off bit pitch and I understand that really strange on an album that's like professionally produced you know um, so anyway I, I found that quite hard to, to get on board with um, I think overall I actually first of all when you talk about um, Blood Orange I can sort of see where, you, where, you, where you're both going with that but um, I actually thought it was a solo project at TV on the radio like it, uh, the vocals oh. actually sounded I thought it was yeah. one of the singers out of TV on the radio's solo project for a while there before I bothered looking into it Um and, but I don't think it's as as good as Steve on the radio by by quite a long way actually. At least the the stuff I I like of theirs, like Dear Science and stuff, um, the earlier stuff. But um, yeah, so um, what was I going to say? I think a lot of times overall they had these strong parts and weaker parts, you know, vocals versus bass and stuff. But there, a lot of these songs felt like they were throwing a lot of ideas on the wall to see what would work and and ways that I didn't often come together so i think medicine burn is a good example of a song that um is kind of thrown yeah like trying to throw pieces in to sort of build something which and it all kind of fell apart i felt still didn't sort of hold together so um i was kind of spoiled with this in the end as, as overall i i found it sonically fairly tiring um to listen to and musically a little bit incoherent so yeah i wasn't i wasn't really a fan to be honest Okay. That's me. Well, we'll start with a big Nick's wrong, um, as usual. Good, good. So, um, but yeah, for me, this album was interesting in that I suppose I kind of maybe felt some of what Nick's talking about in my first few listens. For me, Matt, I would have answered this for your question about the, the least accessible album. Um, I think yeah, the album's done that as well. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it starts with Gospel for a New Century, which you mentioned, Matt, and I think. As I got into it, from the opening bars of that song, I think you can tell this is going to be quite an interesting and involving album. I think that sort of stop-start beat that it starts with, it cuts out a few times. Kind of when you first hear yeah. it, it, makes you think maybe there's something going wrong with the record. It's not, yeah. It's, it, is, it, is it skipping? What's happening? I think actually it's, it turns out to be quite a brave way to start an album, and I think it sets out the store because it turns into quite a pretty odd general bending album that I think that it takes a lot of risk throughout. And... For me, they're risks that, that pay off. Um, I think it's really densely layered. Um, there's so much going on, so many little nuances. 
that I think actually I can imagine it being quite irritating to some people. Um, I can imagine, I can imagine people finding this album really annoying or really loving it, and I think that's what maybe we're seeing a little bit here. Um, yeah. For me though, I found all those little details quite fascinating, and I, I found I got really lost in this album. Um, I like how you can have one song like Identity Trade where it's really crunchy, quite distorted, but then you can go to a song like Kerosene, which uh, Nick's just mentioned, where it's kind of it's kind of a rock song. It's got the guitar solos. It's and I think the vocals are great on that track. And then you go to Hastel and Lights, which is an almost hip hop R and B track. So I think there's so many sounds, so many styles that I can see. This album almost shouldn't work in some ways, but in the, in the end, everything melds together really well for me. Um, so I've mentioned a couple of tracks there that I really liked, but I also I really like this track, Romanticist, and particularly Strawberry Privilege, which is my favourite thing on this whole playlist. Um, mm, again, wow. we're talking about the bass again. I think it's got nice. such a funky little bass line. And then it also shows what the album's about with this strange, hypnotic, almost choral vocals. It, I think it's a really fascinating track, and uh, I loved it. And yeah, it's, I, it's I better than anything Run the Jewels. Then you're saying Strawberry Privilege is better than anything. Yeah, yeah, and I, I prefer this album to Run the Jewels as well. Um, wow. Yeah, um, I bought this. I bought this album. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so that's us on Eve Tumor, isn't it? So I think it's, I will, yeah. even though I've just praised. Actually, let's go to the classic. Let's talk about the classic. Let's talk about Jill Scott. I'll start us off. Okay. Um, so Perfect. the classic was Jill Scott. Who is Jill Scott? Um, and I'll start with my negatives on this one. Um, I found this album far, far too long. Um, I thought, with it being the classic, that I'm, when I put the playlist together, I might have added one of those anniversary editions with a shitload of bonus tracks on. Uh-huh. But I went and looked, and that wasn't the case. So, yeah, that was a problem. Um, it was rare for me that I could engage with this album as a whole just because of its length. Uh, but for me, that's a real shame because there's some amazing moments on this album. I think the song Do You Remember, which is the first proper song on the album after the intro, is superb. I think her voice is really silky. It's got a really nice minimal beat, which relies heavily on some great percussion. It's really soulful. Um, I remember when I first put this album on, I was out on a walk, and that song came on, and I was just thinking, oh, I'm going to absolutely love Jill Scott. And there are more moments like that. On the album, I think Getting In The Way is a great track. I think... A Long Walk is really good. He Loves Me, Love Rain, One Is Magic, uh, and Try, they're all great. Um, so they're just all really timeless, soulful R&B songs, that, and I can see why Jill Scott's so highly rated. But that those tracks I've just mentioned, that's enough for an album. Um, and I think it'd be a really top-drawer album if it just had those songs on. So I really like Jill Scott, but I don't know that I like this album as a whole because there's too much filler, and the length of it means it's it's going to be impossible for me to go back to it, really. So yeah, it's a mixed bag. I think I'll listen to more of her stuff, and she is a really good artist. But there's just uh, no discipline on this album, really. Mm. Who wants oh, to cut in? Discipline. Go for I it. I can man. jump yeah, in. Go for it. Um, I I actually this is weird. Me and Fran are pretty much on the same page with <laughs> a lot of this month. It wow. seems. Um, I I would be maybe more critical of this album. I think uh, beyond just the length. Um, and like she's obviously hugely talented as a singer um like the way she sings it almost feels like with the like almost uh she sings and then she has some of like uh, like this speak singing and like this kind of patter it almost feels like a uh um like a lounge singer or something like a 50s lounge singer and you're going to a jazz bar 
um but i i found that whole vibe kind of very enjoyable um especially after i think we had a bunch of albums that occupy a similar space to me for me um in the playlist we then get to this and and this is really different um I guess the, the main issues I have beyond the length is that it's just, um, and this is something we quite often talk about, um, it feels uh, similar criticisms to like Fiona Apple's first album we talked about mm. in the sense that it feels very, very of its time in parts. And I, I use the, the word like in parts very like strongly. Um, there are some songs where the organ and they have these sprinkly chimes and the way the brass is incorporated it just feels so very 90s or like late 90s early 2000s and uh, that kind of that vibe of a very smooth mellow r&b with that built in just doesn't it's not my jam at all um but then you do get other songs like getting in the way which fran mentioned and um he, he loves me i think is uh, was my favorite and they sound pretty contemporary uh, or I think that's what I mean by if they'd cut some of those songs out that we've mentioned I yeah. mean, like the third song where she does the very much spoken word about having sex with a boyfriend and it's kind of like this sounds like something you know from 1999 that would have been everywhere and but if those songs were in there but I suppose at the time they were probably the songs that were maybe yeah more successful but now it feels like if you cut that away you'd have a really great album here but yeah it's um there's too much of that definitely yeah i just yeah every time i heard one of those like sprinkly chimes like the wind chimes i just laughed i just couldn't take it seriously I didn't really notice like, these. i'm gonna have to listen back for some sprinkly oh, they chimes are, they are everywhere yeah. <laughs> that's great um but yeah i'm i'm glad i had this album and it's it's not like some of the classics we've covered recently i've really not been into so this yeah, was the best for a while this was actually something really good <laughs> So we go, is this slightly better than Yoko then, are we saying? Is that the agreement? Slightly yeah. better than Yoko, a lot, lot better has... than uh, Neil Young. Right. She has slightly more uh, slightly more talent, I think, than yes. Yoko. I know. That's fair to say. That is fair to say. Yeah, so shall I jump in? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is, um, lots of things you said I'll also add to, but um, this is extremely, extremely beautiful album all the way through. Um, the The vocal... She, her vocal ability is is really off the charts. It's so full of emotion uh, all the time. In fact, uh, I have this sense that, which I'm sure is just an illusion, that um, she's smiling. I can also I can hear her smiling as she sings. Do you know what I'm saying? I can hear the the joy yeah. in what she's doing all the way through. I really can't tell if you're going to drop some like no, I'm talking shit thing <laughs> like you do sometimes because this I'm totally surprised that no, you've no, got no. any interest in this album. No, no, I'm, no. I'm waiting for you to turn around and go, no, I hated it. <laughs> no, no, yeah. this is on the level. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I, I just thought, um, yeah, I just thought I had this sense to say that that she was she was so happy to be doing this, and there was so much so much joy in it that I found that quite carried me along quite a long way you know I, I agree with matt that it is quite a dated album um and i agree with you fran actually that it's also overly long so i think both those criticisms stand um i, I don't think as a album for me it has enough it's just not a genre that i care about the nuances of enough i don't think there's enough variety in it to keep me coming back a lot um but i mean I, you know i'm glad we got to hear it i'm glad i know i'm glad i know better than i did i mean it, it's um it's uh yeah it's, it's just a very joyous thing to hear which is nice but yeah, yeah i'm really glad that we did it as well i think that's i think 
for me, looking at her career, it's it's long career. I think it certainly makes me want to listen to more of her music, um, which a lot of the classics don't do sometimes. But it's yeah, it's interesting. I think just whether we'd still have some of those feelings if it had just been. Mm. And I think that's yeah, and also this this idea of the dated stuff. I mean, I think that's what 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 is an album supposed to supposed to do about that? Really, it's it's a very mm. difficult thing to you know if if it suits us, then it won't suit us in in a couple of years. You know, the more it suits us, even you could argue in some cases, the, the less yeah. it will suit us in a couple of years. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That that's really a challenging one for anyone. I think to be timeless. Yeah. yeah okay. That's all I had to say about that one. So, so, so Nick, do you want to start us off on? We've got Ellie, LA Priest, Gene. Sure. Do you want to start sure, us off? Sure. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah. So um, it took me quite a long time to get any traction on this album. Um, I sort of couldn't get it to to gel, and I couldn't get my a sense that the oddball structures of the songs um, really came together. A little bit like I was saying with the, with Eve's tumor. Um, that I didn't have this sense that the songs were, were coherent in that, in a, in a certain, on a certain level. But then I realized, actually, that they were quite like, I feel like they were quite like Everything Everything in the song construction stakes. Um, and Everything Everything is a band I really, really like. And also Everything Everything is a band that I took a long time to get to like. like it actually really was something I struggled with. And now I've really switched on to them. I, I absolutely love that band. Um, I also hear some Wild Beasts in there, which is another band I really like. And I also hear um, something I wrote about recently, BC Camplight, which I'm not sure if either of you have heard yet. But anyway, that was a, that's an album that came out a couple of months ago or a month ago even uh, that I did a review of on the site. Um, and it sounds like that as well. So it really has very interesting, strange shapes to the way the songs are put together. Take So for example, uh, there's this track, uh, is it Rubber Sky, I think it is? Mm. Um, and that track is basically... Um, a clean electric guitar, then a three-part harmony drops into it, then it turns into a synth-pop song, and then after that, I saw a mid-tempo electronica sort of slash EDM song to some extent. Then there's an electric mm-hmm. guitar solo, and then it ends up with this sort of lo-fi synth melody to draw to draw out at the end of the song. And the song, I think I'm right in saying, is only might be three three and a half minutes long or something. So he's making a lot of moves and, and really interesting ones in a very short space of time to pull something together that's coherent. I think that's really, uh, really impressive. So, yeah, and, and I thought uh, my, first, my favorite track on the album was actually Open My Eyes, um, which I, I really loved. And I, overall, I was really pleased that this album was on there, uh, on the list, and also that it came right after Around the Jewels because it really gave me two sort of great albums to, to warm things up, you know, to sort of get me into the playlist. So... Uh, yeah, so no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. After some initial reservations. Okay, I'm going to cut in because it's a couple of similar things. Yeah. But when you, um, when you picked it, Matt, um, I'd never heard of LA Priest, and I don't know why, but I thought they were going to be an obnoxious rock band that I couldn't stand. I think maybe really? I was, maybe I was thinking of Judas Priest. Um, I don't yeah. know. Or maybe just making it LA as a town. Maybe that seems. Yeah, I don't know. Just something well. about the name just didn't didn't stand out to me. Um, Have you heard of Late of the Pier? I since have realised that he's from Late of the Pier, but I, I again I've heard of them. I don't know them. So I've um, heard of them even yeah. no, no, no idea. I've at definitely, all. yeah, I've definitely heard of them, but I've not heard anything. But yeah, so it took me a little while with this album, as it did with a few of the albums on this playlist. It took me a little a little bit of a while to get my head around it, um, and going off some of my past reactions to albums on the podcast, I would guess that you guys might not think this would be my thing. 
Um, I thought that too on the first couple of listens, but something kept dragging me back to it and something other than that I have to listen to it for the podcast. Um, now, it's weird. A lot of themes are coming up again and again tonight, but um, normally when I use the word catchy, I don't mean it positively. Normally catchy is an insult, but there was something <laughs> so catchy, so earwormy about a lot of these songs, but not in an irritating way. Instead, it was just something that kept bringing me back and I wanted to listen to them and it, came, it became really involving. Um, so I think there's a few reasons for that. I think the main one for me is that he does that rare thing of being able to create really addictive pop songs while also covering them in a layer of darkness. Um, there's something in almost every song that stops it from sounding shiny or shimmery. They sometimes they sound gritty at the same time as they sound poppy. And I love that there was different genres and influences that all live so well together. Um, like early on in the first song, it sounds a bit like the Talking Heads. Later, we've got Spanish guitar and elements that sound like they're influenced by Middle Eastern music. So I think the album's really well produced and that it is, it's like Nick just said, it's a hell of a feat to make all these sounds work so well together. So for me, I think in the end, this was one of the most fascinating albums I've heard in quite a long time. And it's probably my favourite album by a male artist so far in 2020, I would say. Wow. Okay. So yeah, That's I loved nice. it. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Um, you done? Yeah, I'm done, mate. Over to you. Cool. Um, well, so I, as I, as I um, kind of probably guessed, I am familiar with L.A. Priest. Mm. Um, I was a big fan of Late of the Pier. Um, Fran has definitely heard Late of the Pier before because... I've heard you play them. It was, on, it was on all the time when we would used to go to indie clubs when yeah. we were back in university. Yeah. Maybe if I heard a few um, songs, it would, I might stick on their best-known songs on Spotify later and I'll probably recognise them all. I've yeah, never heard them at all. Where, where are they from, even? I don't know anything about Um, I think that they're... I don't know where... They're, they're English. Right. Um, and they were, like, 16. Probably somewhere near releasing. Yeah. I think they're just from, like, some dead-end town in uh, England. Um, and they were big in like the late 2000s. <laughs> Sorry, London. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't, no, I'm just saying, like London. I was just slaying London for some reason. I don't know why yeah, I'm following yeah. <laughs> today. That's how far followers go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they made the, like the really like indie synth stuff that was super popular at that time. But I remember them being around with like the Maccabees and stuff like that, right? Some yeah, the time, yeah. But they were way weirder mm. um, and way more kind of out there. Um, and for most of the time when they were big it was before they actually released the album so it was like that whole thing of like sharing tracks mm. um through sharing services and shit like that um and then i uh, he obviously just dis- he well he disappeared off the grid he was the main musical force behind it mm. and then he came back with la priest um and so like compared to um uh, his prior album this was i think uh i actually preferred it less Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was a more like we've talked about uh, like uh, different descriptions for this, but I think this was a, lo- a little bit more ethereal. Mm. And I actually prefer the kind of weirder angular synth pop that um, it was in the previous album. That said, I still really like this. Um, it obviously at moments it felt like I was listening to Metronomy. So like, <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there are definitely moments where it, it fits with that vibe. And I think he has a similar, um, like approach to music, but, um, I think uh, it's that darkness that I was a... talking about that's missing from Metronomy that maybe that's why I couldn't get too on board with Metronomy is it is very mm-hmm. shimmery. 
very shiny, whereas this <laughs> felt like there was always something that was condensing it yeah. a little bit and making it a bit darker. Which is yeah, very Wild Beast as well. I feel like that Wild Beast Association is, yes. is very valid in that respect. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. But Particularly um, things I'll... like uh, What Moves, if that's the actual What Moves. Yeah, What Moves so is could be off, yeah. could be a B-side off a, mm. off a Wild Beast album. Anyway. Yeah, exa- yeah especially with the, yeah, the vocal stylings as well. Um, um, but yeah, like despite like those drawbacks of not being not being his previous album, <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually I I really enjoyed it. I, I feel I like you found a really long way to say I, I like his first album better than didn't you really? Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> I want you to listen to his first album to see what you think. I'm like really surprised that you guys were really into this. So I'm I'm a little bit reeling from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I guess yeah, because I have criticisms that like it came, especially after it came after RTJ RTJ four as well. It just feels pretty meek in comparison. Um, but it's a totally different thing, isn't it? It's a totally different. Yeah, thing. yeah. And so I found it again. It's it, like talking about the playlist is really interesting. It's placement in the playlist because even though like Medhain, LA Priest, and uh, East Tumor are very different, they occupy the same kind of mental space for me of like this, uh, like. Uh, more dreamy ethereal mm. uh, more descriptors that I can't think of right now <laughs> um, you can certainly see links between Eve's Tumor and LA Priest I can see links between those two quite strongly yeah um, yeah I can as well although I think to yeah. me the LA Priest works so much better it comes together where, where the Eve's Tumor does not I think I think I do they're both think trying to do a similar album. thing yeah. I think they're both great but I do I think, think it's a better album yeah I don't know um, but I guess um, because of the way it is, it kind of it got into my like more subconscious, and like mm-hmm. I couldn't help but like there were so many times I was listening to this album, and then I, I noticed that I'm like like really bobbing my head along, <laughs> um, and I'd be doing other stuff, and I'd have that in the background, and it would be really get it would be demanding attention, even though it is this kind of uh, more laid back sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the obviously there's some really poppy songs on it like what moves um but i think the song i actually really enjoyed the most was what do you see which was really weird it had this mm. like with the disco guitar yeah and then this really weird shifted vocals where he sounded like very like feminine mm. and then the, like the way it's, it's whether kind of the way he was singing almost sounded like um like I, I don't know how to describe it, but because uh, I don't, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the music well enough. But like, it sounded almost like um, some like Southeast Asian music, yeah, with like a sitar or something. That's like what, that. yeah, that's what I remember. The different influences from all over the place, the Middle Eastern influences certainly in there. I think it's yeah, it, that's what's so interesting about it. I think it just seems to yeah. melt all different things together. For me, I, the my favorite song was "Kissing of the Weeds," which um, is another really really odd one, but it's yeah weird mix of yeah, genres I think yeah it's really it's really yeah I found it super interesting I wasn't expecting this from him and I was expecting to get even more like a super clean synthy mm. pop but then I should have expected this because he's super weird and experimental so there we go alright well I think that's kind of those five so we're going to talk about the playlist as a whole Nick you seem to be the least blown away by the playlist so I'm going to go to you first yeah I mean I would say uh, I think that's probably right but I would say still uh, a very strong list compared to a lot of the ones that come through the door here. Mm. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's got two really great albums, um, and then one that's, that's Jill Scott that's, that's solid, just not really for me. 
And the Medain, okay, I suppose. And then I didn't like the East Tumor. So, it, yeah, I'd say overall it's a strong list. It's a strong list. Mm. Matt? Um, one of the best lists we've ever done. Yeah. I, I, I liked to loved almost uh, everything. Mm. So there wasn't a bad album. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think it's... Um, I'm trying to think back. The, the playlist I always compare to in my head is the one when we had Idols, US Girls, uh, Sugar Cubes. I can't remember what else, yeah. but um, but this for me is actually the best good. playlist we've had. Um, you know, I bought two of the albums on vinyl. I didn't dislike anything. There was no album that I didn't want to listen to, which is I don't think ever happened before. Mm. Um, so for me, I think yeah, best best playlist we've had possibly. Um, what was the uh, second vinyl you bought? I bought the LA Priest and the Eve Tumor. Um, ah, okay, cool. Yeah, um, bought them you both. Bought the Run the Jewels. You didn't do that. Well, the Run the Jewels isn't out yet ah, um, right, on okay. vinyl, but also, it yeah, I need more time with that album. I think it's um, I do really like it, but I don't know. I think maybe because I was listening to it alongside those two that I was really, really, really into, they were more prominent for me this month. Um, right. But yeah, mm. I maybe will buy it. It's certainly on the possible list. Mm. Great, nice, great. Shall I talk about Tracy Please Chapman? Please do. Yeah, tell us all about it. Yeah. Okay, so I have included Tracy Chapman as um, her debut album, which is self-titled. Um, I'm going to have to go pretty far back in time to talk about why I love Tracy Chapman. Um, and that's not just because it's the furthest I've gone back for for an artist I've chosen to talk about, as in the earliest music that's come out, but also because I, I would say Tracy Chapman was probably my first ever favourite artist. Um, so this, I would have been four years old when this album came out in 1988. And I have really strong, distinct memories of listening to this album on my dad's record player and in his car. Um, I remember being totally obsessed with it. Um, and I'm not sure if I was four or a bit older when this happened, but I also have a really distinct memory of listening to this album in my bedroom on my cassette player, singing every word into a hairbrush and pretending that I was Tracy Chapman performing in front of thousands of people. I clearly nice. remember that. Um, nice. And... I so badly wanted to be able to sing like her, and I probably still do, to be fair. She has one of the best voices I've ever heard. Um, but what's really interesting to me about that, looking back now, is trying to wrap my head around what this five, four or five-year-old Fran felt so connected to, because these are, in the main part, some really heavy and deep songs about things I really hope I didn't fully understand at that age. Mm. Um, I suppose I've mentioned the voice. That's one thing that I was probably connecting to. And the melodies are really clear. They're really involving. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I just think it's interesting that I was so into this album at such a young age. Um, but what's also fascinating to me is that this is an album that's that's lived with me ever since then. I've probably listened to this album in every one of the 32 years since it came out. Um, some years a lot more than others, but I, I probably have listened to it at least a few times in each one of those years. And I have memories of this album at different parts of my life. Um, I remember when Boyzone covered Baby Can I Hold You when I was 14 mm. um, and I got into an argument with someone at school who insisted that Ronan Keaton had written it and I actually came in the next day with uh, my Walkman and made them listen to the original version of it. Um, and then I remember introducing friends to it in my late teens and early 20s and being really pleased when one of them in particular fell totally, totally in love with it as well. And then I remember just as I was starting to think about uh, collecting records and, and starting to you know to get a record player seeing this in a stack of secondhand records at 11 shoe market and making it the first record i ever actually bought for myself ah, perfect so That's fantastic yeah. nice 
So, and I remember bringing that record home. I remember soon getting my, my record player not long after that and, and introducing my girlfriend, Kirsten, to the album um, after that, which, you know, was another great memory of it. Um, and I think about, like, other music that my parents played at that time. Some of it's returned to my collection after a big gap, like stuff like Bob Marley, Bob Dylan and David Bowie. But other stuff that I really remember listening to as a kid, stuff like The Proclaimers and Van Morrison, might occasionally get a nostalgia listen, but it's been pretty much, you know, cast aside. I'm not going to be going out and buying those albums. Um, so I've wondered, I've spent a lot of this last month thinking what it is about Tracy Chapman that, um, that is different. And, and I think actually in this last month while we've been listening to it, with the backdrop of the Black Lives Matters protests and, and renewed focus on poverty and domestic violence due to the lockdown, that kind of shows why this album is, is so enduring. I think um, songs like Talking About a Revolution, Fast Car, Behind the Wall, Mountain of Things, and particularly Across the Lines, could have been written today. Um, they've lost absolutely none of their relevance. Um, and they also could have been, they could have actually been written by someone during lockdown and they all would have made sense of, of this situation. So I think it's just such an important, timeless album for those reasons. And I can't think of many albums that have that sort of power that lasts for so long. Um, and I think, yeah, listening to it over the last month has been a really, really good thing for me because I can really see the quality of this album and that it's not just a nostalgia thing. Um, it's not just something that I have memories of. It's actually still really, really important. I think it's one of the all-time greats, and I don't think it will ever sound irrelevant. Um, but yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about it. Um, I'd love to know what you guys thought. And before you tell me what you thought of it in general, I just wondered what you guys knew, because obviously she's been a huge, huge part of my life. I've always listened to her, but I, I wonder if you guys even knew of her or knew the album before, before I put it on the list. So um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. This album totally sucked. I hate no. Um, <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I had, uh, I did know about her, uh, and I yeah. remember when this first came out because I'm older than you, um, oh. and uh, remember uh, being impressed with it. That whenever it was, I was I was pretty young as well, but I was I was uh, rem- I have a recollection of you know liking it at the time. Um, I think um, o- overall, I find it. I'm kind of fascinated. Um, by your taste ran on this in a way because mm. the production is quite small and and my sense is and I've got, obviously I've got my son is eleven um, his taste in music is mostly uh, wants to be more clear cuts wants to be less mm. subtle than that so um, you know like wants to be like I don't know like he likes AM you know for example very yeah, much yeah. Uh, which is not not saying it's a bad mm. album but I'm just, it's, it's very clear cut on off you know it's, it, the melodies of a shout out. Uh, and this is um, this is something that's very slight in lots of ways, you know, mm, not not politically, yeah. but but musically. Um, I think politically it has a lot to say that's that's relevant now. Yeah, absolutely. So so I, I'd really enjoyed it. Um, I, I would say that it does sound going back to that question we were talking about with the Jill Scott about the, the datedness of it. Mm. Um, it. It does maybe it's because I recollect it, but it just does seem very not again not lyrically but musically of that time. Of that, mm. like ninety early, you know, early nineties, late eighties kind of time, um, but uh, I don't think it's a bad. I think that's a particularly bad thing. I mean, I, I just think it, you know, that's where it's from and that's its roots, and it, I think you yeah. kind of embrace that, really. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I, um, I find it interesting you say about it being a, your favorite vo- vocals as well, though. Mm. Um, a voice is sometimes. It's in a quiet taste, I would say. I'll put it that way. I, I think. Sort of, I think. I think sometimes. I think sometimes uh, her vibrato is so fast that it it can be like 
are not as pleasing to the ear, but that's just sometimes. Mm. I don't know, it's not a big deal. But yeah, so anyway, generally I, I really enjoyed it and uh, I'm glad we put it on the list. Yeah. Cool, cool. Matt? Um, yeah, so um, I was actually, I was born like obviously a year after this. <laughs> so I yeah, didn't yeah, get to hear yeah, it when young, I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that made me think that maybe there's a, a, a thing of like, to me, this seems timeless, but yeah. I didn't live through hearing all the music sound like this, um, like I did with uh, Joel Scott. I didn't. I don't have the touchstones for what music yeah, yeah. in right, right. Apart from the specifically good albums that I've gone back to listen to, so maybe that is that is one of the reasons that I think to me that this is a. It feels like a timeless album. Um, like I, I know Tracy Chapman. I and I don't particularly know how I, d- I don't have a reference point for when she entered my life exactly um but i i've always really uh, appreciated her music like like fast car is such a um uh, in- in- integral part of like culture that i've heard yeah. people randomly like riff on it and everyone understands what they're talking about yeah it's um, weird that song stands out as one that's so many cover versions of it so many different and it's it just that bit weird weirdly to me that song's so huge but it's never felt like she is as huge as that song if that makes sense it's a weird one yeah 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 like everyone knows fast car and i think everyone knows it's tracy chapman mm. but maybe people haven't sat down and listened to the album that goes with it yeah. that elevates her to a fantastic artist Can and I not ask, a one-hit wonder ask, kind of thing is there a lot more of her music than this i mean how much has she um, done so i i'll be honest with you i know there's there's another album afterwards um right. my sense is that there's no more than three albums but if i'm being right. totally honest you know i listen to the rest of the music it doesn't yeah. it doesn't have the same power as this album i don't okay. think so okay. there's some great songs i think it's well worth digging into it because there's some other great songs but right i think this was like this was the big album for this her and I think moment, yeah. one after yeah. yeah right right so i'll cut you off um, there and i carry on oh no it's all good yeah like uh, a lot of like what Fran you were talking about Fran yeah like she is phenomenal I I um, love her voice yeah her voice um, is amazing I'm like ne- yeah <laughs> like I think the fact that she can do like behind the wall do an a cappella song mm. and it doesn't feel um, like it's missing anything um, it's because of her voice that she can do that um, it's not it's, I don't think it's no ha- it's no like happenstance that she can uh, pull that off while other artists would would fail um, and I think the biggest thing about listening to her for like this solid month which has been really nice is that I've been able to reclaim Baby Can I Hold You yes from <laughs> Boyza <laughs> yeah. because that was the version oh, that no. I grew up with and was in my head um, and the first few listens were really painful <laughs> yeah. but I sweated through it I got 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 it out of my system you're and... crying into your pillow well, you? it's a funny so, thing when I was yeah. talking about um, buying this on, on record and playing it to Kirsten at first and that was the exact same thing with that like she couldn't get past that every time that song came she was like yeah I like I kept playing it like you, you love this album don't you've got to love this album and she was like well it's got that Boyzone song in it I was like, it's not a fucking Boyzone song stop calling it a fucking Boyzone song and it took a while for her to get past that as well and it that fucking infuriated me when they covered that and then I remember actually yeah even worse there was i don't know if either of you remember a guy called darius on x factor no, um, or I, pop I, idol one of those yeah way back in the day like when i was probably 13 12 
he covered it. He covered Boyzone's version of it, and I was just sat on my sofa watching it. Just I wanted to smash something because it was like <laughs> three levels of absolute <laughs> torture. It was just so bad, but you know, at least I suppose maybe that got a name out there a little bit. But who knows? Nice. Did you finish yeah, that? Probably just yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, yeah. I'm I'm really glad we got to spend a month with this because yeah. It's, and it lifted this playlist as well. When you asked about how the playlist was in general, that this obviously helped to up the average, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, so I can't overall, say that was probably helped me when I'm saying it's my favorite playlist ever. Is that I have one yeah. of my very favorite albums at the end of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. that probably helps. And I think it's nice. One thing I, I, I thought doing this as well is just um, a lot of the time when I do my why I loves, I do a playlist because it's someone's career is what I'm into. But mm. it was nice to just have an album that was so meaningful to me because it is just the album that. I really care about um, because I think I, I love the I love the album as a form and that's why I love doing this podcast and I love reviewing albums because I think it's such an important form but I think it get it's getting more and more lost so I think it was really nice just to have a a great album on the end of it yeah for a change right, right. yeah cool okay well I think that's us right. so thanks guys I'm glad you enjoyed it um, let's talk about next time yeah was there anything else? yeah that's let's talk about next time so next time. We haven't had a guest on the playlist for a little while. You may have noticed because of obviously lockdown, we've been unsure of how it would work. We had a few people lined up and um, just it just wasn't going to work um, the way we've been doing it. So we are going to try and have a guest next time, which is James Spearing, who's one of the writers, one of the editors on PickyBees.com, which, by the way, if you've not been to PickyBees.com, you should PickyBees.com right now. Yes. So, you know, if you've not heard enough of us in this last hour, there's yep. more of us there. Um, you can listen to other people. You can, awesome. you can read other people yes um so james is going to join us next time so he has chosen he's going to introduce miles davis as his wyatt love so we're going from one classic to another by the sounds of it um his classic pick is marine girls with beach party and his recent release is madrigada by mj cole um i'm gonna pick the latest bob dylan album rough and rowdy ways is my recent release and I'll be doing uh, Quell, Chris, and Chris Key's Innocent Country 2. That's too many Chris's in, in one. I know, it is very yeah. confusing name, yeah. Uh, and then the final pick is Arca from me with um, Kick Eye. I think, I think that's how you say it. About, so it'll be interesting, that one. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited. Cool. Right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye bye.